0: Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir.
1: I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama Riverdale cast.
0: Aaron, you seem confused.
1: I, just before we started recording, tried to remember what happened to Cheryl at the end of the last episode we watched.
0: <sighs>
1: no one can know.
0: Well, hey, hey everyone, we're back in uh, Riverdale. In, in Riverdale. Which, which
1: is a city we know not.
0: Which, of course, means that we do have to spend a little bit of time trying to remind, remind us and you, our dear listeners, what happens? What is going on? Um, at the end of the last episode, Cheryl uh, burned her brother's body, giving him a Viking funeral.
1: Oh, that's right. And she decides she's going to re enter society. And <laughs> uh, Betty learned how to time travel. She stopped her baby version of herself from killing caramel. Yep,
0: she learned how to butterfly affect herself. <laughs>
1: And Jughead got into the secret society. Yep. yep. And Archie had an uncle.
0: Yes. And all that continues in this episode. (laughs) This continues. This is true. Yeah. um.
1: (laughs) But they will be very clear. This is several weeks later for Archie's uncle has been there for several weeks.
0: Which is a problem because Jughead is dead four weeks after the last episode. So
1: maybe several means one. It's (laughs) –
0: It's good <laughs> unless if unless if Jughead is dying next week, which I don't think they are because I set up something now that should be happening
1: next week.
0: Well, no it. Well, in a few weeks, I think with Betty.
1: That thing with Betty must happen at basic well, but Jughead dies over spring break. What?
0: Oh yeah. No, it's it's bad. It's bad. We're hey everyone, we're back in Riverdale where time is fluid.
1: And you know what? Time can be fluid in a good way. I recently saw Little Women, which was yeah. amazing. Yeah. And time is very fluid in it, because you know, Little Women is a bit of like kind of a linear storyline. Mm-hmm. And this time they were like, you know what's interesting? non-linear storytelling.
0: Yeah, and you can do some fun stuff with that. If um, you know
1: what you're doing. And you're doing it
0: on purpose, uh, <laughs> which I am not of the mind. I would love to see a reading of Riverdale because they all they always like to put put up Riverdale's like, oh, the town is sort of supposed to be a town out of time. Some things are anachronistic. Some things are... Some things
1: aren't. Jughead can have an old laptop and he can also have a uh, typewriter.
0: And, then, like, uh, you know, on the, the, uh, the cards and the old things. Like... It's a lot of things like that. I still am of the mind, I think we talked about this before, that they did not go hard enough in it for it to not seem anachronistic when anything like that, sh- that shows up. But they've mentioned it. Yeah. So sure, go for that.
1: It's a city out of time. I would
0: like to see a reading where someone legitimately says, no, 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 time is untethered in Riverdale, and nothing that is happening in same moments are necessarily happening at the same point in time. J- Jason is actually still alive at this moment. He dies in the future. <laughs> I would love someone, maybe me, to do <laughs> <laughs> a to do a reading of Riverdale where
1: <laughs> all all timelines exist at once.
0: Yeah, where all moments happen. That's why there's twins because actually she gave birth to two, to like in two different timelines. you gave birth to one kid,
1: and that explains why Cheryl can have been the leader of the Vixens for four years, despite the fact that Jason is one hundred percent her twin, her twin, but in an older grade because he's the same age as Polly. Well,
0: because because we're seeing Jason's storyline from a year in the future.
1: You know, there's no ripples other than Cheryl, but Cheryl exists out of space and time completely. Well, well, I
0: think Cheryl's things can still can still fit in. She's, you know, she's mourning some death of another Jason, maybe. Uh, <laughs> well, or maybe maybe the storylines where we see her mourning, because I don't think there's any there's any storyline where her mourning plus it being absolutely clear she's in grade 12 are together. So anytime you see her mourning, that's actually the future. Which explains why she never goes to school. Because she's actually not in school anymore. Because
1: it's the future. It's the
0: future. She's already out of school. Jason died at the end of grade 12, or maybe even after they graduated.
1: Maybe he dies when they're 30. It's unclear. These are grown adults.
0: Yeah, that's also why Betty could see uh, Polly and... Uh, Alice dropped babies into the fire and then imagine that they're actually floating because at that moment she saw a collapsing of many different timelines one where the babies were dropped and one where the babies floated and then one where that didn't happen at all
1: and that's why she fainted it was too many timelines at once yeah
0: and that's sort of what the poisoning did is to put people through timelines
1: and her body had to pick one
0: yeah this totally works uh, is what I'm saying here
1: <laughs> it, may-
0: it makes a lot more sense than what Riverdale's currently doing where it's trying to mash up some real classic like Teen drama, there's some storylines in this episode that would fit much better in the O.C. than they do in Riverdale. A
1: very specific storyline about a sweet, sweet grown man who, if they <laughs> rip his future away from him, I... I mean, I already burned my house to the ground at the end of last season when the cult was not a part of d d yeah. 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 But uh, I guess I'll burn your house to the ground. Ah,
0: uh, sure. Alright, let's collapse these timelines into something that's a little bit more understandable as we begin Riverdale, Season 4, Episode 10... Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues. We begin by explaining that it is Spirit Week.
1: That Bulldogs are good at football because Monroe is good at football. <laughs> for, for the first time ever, the Bulldogs are in the finals because they have a full-grown adult on the team. <laughs> Archie is still the, the star quarterback, but Monroe is the star... Adult? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you now, Does anyone think it's
0: unfair that that 21-year-old man <laughs> is on this football team? But he definitely should be playing college. I feel like this should be done anything else. Um... But what we're going to get here is a lot of essentially exposition for the storylines. Nothing about what came before. This is totally new. This could be the beginning of a new series.
1: So, uh.
0: Their team that they're playing against. Is Stonewall. So, remember when we were told that Stonewall had a football team and we're like, "Mm, no, they don't. (laughs) No,
1: that's a lie.
0: Not only do they have a football team, they have a really, really, really good football team that we will eventually learn. Brett's the captain of
1: not Moose. No. no it,
0: it you you can't have stonewall prep both be the preppy literary academic school and the
1: the Kevin, they are tearing down stereotypes. People contain multitudes. Brett
0: contains multitudes. He does so much in this episode that I'm like, no. Brett, we knew one thing
1: about you, and that was that
0: You're you were a creep. A creep. <laughs> and you continue to be a creep. All right, well, Betty, is uh, her her storyline is brought up because she's told by Principal Honey that she's got to write a story. (laughs) For her own newspaper. Yeah, I I like the way he called her in and just be like, hey, Betty, you know how we have that huge football game coming up at our school? Are you going to write a story about it for our school paper? And Betty was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, good, write a story about it. But then I guess that makes her really angry that he asked her to write a story about it. The face she gives him in that in that scene uh, I mean we don't hear what they're saying but as he's like you're going to write this article he's wearing a bulldog sweater and <laughs> she's kind of like how dare you tell me I what... would
1: also be super mad if I had been running my newspaper all year like reporting on the things i'm supposed to report on and then the principal was like hey you can report on this obvious thing <laughs> well it it does really
0: seem like she wasn't going to do it <laughs> That's true. which is insane for a school newspaper to not report on the one thing <laughs> that really is happening at that school
1: we also find out this will be Archie's last football game ever, because, yeah.
0: Because <laughs> they're graduating they, high school. They treat it like an Archie's last game ever. I'm like, yeah, yes.
1: Yeah, because Archie gave up trying to get a football scholarship, so he's not going to play po- college football.
0: No, no. It's also possibly Reggie's last game ever. Ah, oh, who knows what Reggie's doing in the future, but...
1: Success. All
0: right. Uh, well... Well, that's all being written about. We cut to Jughead, who I guess is currently writing that.
1: (laughs) And as he writes it, Brett's like, hey, your laptop's old. Brett is pretty creepy
0: in a few scenes here, especially when he's interacting with some of the women later. He's really creepy to Jughead in this scene, like, hey, how old is that machine of yours?
1: (laughs) And Jughead's like, I don't know, dude, it's a laptop.
0: Oh, you maybe want to think about getting an upgrade. (laughs) It's so needlessly creepy. And then he gets called. He gets like a Skype message from DuPont to go meet him. And Brenda just like slyly looks at the laptop like, hmm, laptop.
1: It is unnecessarily sexually driven. Yeah, it is. is,
0: Man, he really, uh, really wants, (laughs) wants Jughead to get a new laptop.
1: But we'll leave that for now because Jughead goes to see DuPont, who also is really into Jughead. He applied to Yale on Jughead's behalf. Because that's a thing that adults can do without students' permission.
0: Yeah. I it's mean, not. It's not. I guess the idea there is essentially he he essentially he set up a interview for Jughead with essentially a buddy of his, and so that was kind of the application, I guess. I Jughead don't know.
1: will never officially apply to Yale.
0: No, <laughs> no, he will not.
1: Jughead does not want to do this interview because he's sad that Betty didn't get into Yale.
0: (laughs) Which, I forgot that she actually did not get get into, because that was the reason why Alice was so weirdly mad at her. In that episode where they got therapy. Yeah, (laughs) and she got, and because she had birth control, and Alice was like,
1: (gasps) Birth control? That's why you didn't get into Yale!
0: (laughs) The birth control made you not get into Yale!
1: Oh, Alice, correlation and causation are not the same thing.
0: All right, then we have to pick up on some other people. I guess we should start with Veronica.
1: In a shocking turn of events that is actually shocking, Veronica is still doing rum. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, so she still has held on to that. She has made her own rum, and she's showing it to Reggie, who will be in and out of this storyline as it deems fit.
1: Which kind of made me think that Jughead, and Ver- or Jughead, that Archie and Veronica had broken up. Because why would Reggie be hanging out this much? No, because
0: Reggie is so so chill with Archie and Veronica <laughs> dating again.
1: Because he beat up his dad's car.
0: Because he beat up his dad's car, and now everything's all right for him. His storylines are done. <laughs> uh, but he likes the rum. <laughs> he likes the rum, and... He's like, but I thought you couldn't make rum because your dad patented rum.
1: it <laughs> says, no, no, no. He patented, patented a specific recipe. I am making rum that is inspired by that recipe but has numerous other spices and varietals in it, making it a spiced I rum. Think there's like
0: cardamom at one place yeah. is in there. Um, so she has, she has changed the recipe.
1: She is making an entirely different product. And she has
0: so much rum right now.
1: Yeah. It's I- all
0: labeled bottles. It's called Luna.
1: I don't think she does stuff in the uh, secret speakeasy anymore. I think it just has rum.
0: I cannot tell what is happening anywhere at any time. Once again, fluid.
1: Let's check in with Cheryl. Well, Cheryl runs into Honey in the hallway. And you know, behi- <laughs> behind Honey. I'm like,
0: oh, look, there's another student behind Honey.
1: No, for once, a grown adult is actually a grown adult. <laughs>
0: Honey does what he threatened to Cheryl. I think maybe two episodes ago. It might have been the last episode, honestly. That Cheryl's no longer the sole personage of the Vixens. He's hired an adult, but he says he's not hired an adult. He's hired another teenager,
1: another teenager named Miss Appleyard.
0: Now, <laughs> Miss Appleyard, the teenager versus Monroe, the adult,
1: uh, who's a teenager. <laughs> She is an actual cheerleading coach, though, who would like her cheerleaders to do cheerleading not musical theater yes
0: the introduction we get to her is her being she i guess she sounds a little mean
1: but like cheryl gets real cheryl up in her face immediately yeah and
0: she's like well i've led to many cheerleading teams to you know to to victory and like you know to you know to having good you know winning cheerleader um competitions competitions." i've
1: made an actual viable sport of its own you guys are going to be athletes. <laughs> you're
0: going you're you're going to do actual cheers, not singing and dancing. Which, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's fair.
1: And Cheryl responds to that by saying, oh, "Did you give me an order?"
0: <laughs> and to be fair, yes, Miss Applewood is some sort of halfling, So,
1: <laughs> so I mean, it's confusing. It is
0: confusing because she does look younger than Cheryl. I, I swear.
1: But Cheryl, she is your coach. Her job is to give you orders in fact.
0: Yeah, Cheryl just doesn't like the fact that there is someone else who could tell her what to do and she will be unfair to this woman.
1: It is a horrifying they did, horrifying storyline.
0: Yeah, they didn't do a they don't do a good job of making her like they made Mr. Honey be very like even though his reactions to Cheryl are insane, her reactions to him are also insane. He also does have a lot of moments where you're like, oh, you know what? He is kind of a He's a bit mean. Yeah. Miss Appleyard, all she ever does is say very rational things with kind of a tone, I guess.
1: But doesn't Cheryl seem like a teenager that you need to take oh, a bit yeah. of a tone with?
0: No, Cheryl. Cheryl's a teenager that you can't just be like, now, would you please, maybe? No,
1: absolutely not. <laughs> no, no. But before we get to that, Betty interviews the three-star players of the football team, the only ones with lines. <laughs> Reggie, Monroe, and Archie,
0: and we'll mostly get from Reggie because, because I guess Reggie, Reggie just knows a whole lot about what's going on here. At, at least they gave a line to him and not Archie because Archie really needs to be like the what? No, Ooh,
1: the, the, no, Archie, no one would ever cheat.
0: Archie needs to be the doe-eyed ingenue, just being like
1: what. No, football's fun, guys. Did you know that Monroe has a recruiter from Notre Dame coming to see the game?
0: Oh, it'll be great. They'll be like, that's a full-grown adult.
1: We want him. (laughs) He should
0: be in college now.
1: (laughs) Maybe we should take him away immediately.
0: (laughs) Uh, But Reggie explains that the Stonewall Stallions don't play to win. But they do win all the time.
1: Yeah, but the reason <laughs> that they win is because they play to hurt.
0: Yes, which Betty writes down in big, bold letters and underlines twice. Just the phrase, play to hurt.
1: So essentially what they do is they cheat, and they very seriously injure players during games, taking out the best players, so yeah. then the team can't win. Yeah.
0: So that's this is now going to be Betty's like, yes, now that I am not evil anymore.
1: <laughs> now that I stopped my baby from killing a cat <laughs> because her father told her to.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, as I said, it's real weird to think about these storylines, which are like, yeah, you know what? If I saw in the OC, there's a storyline, but one of the kids wanting to write about uh, this other team that plays dirty.
1: It would totally make sense. It would totally
0: makes sense. It but... would be
1: sh- summer. There would be so many hijinks.
0: <laughs> but then you take it in context of also last episode, she butterfly affected herself into the past to remove the darkness from her soul.
1: So, you know, <laughs>
0: Uh, let's check in with a character who was introduced very briefly last
1: episode. Archie has an uncle, Uncle Frank, who he is bonding with over Chinese food because Uncle Frank has been living in the community center, which this episode is a boxing gym. Yes. For the past several weeks.
0: I mean, it's always been a boxing gym. It has mostly been a community center, you're right, but it's very boxing gym this episode. Yeah, it's this definitely episode.
1: back to being El Royale this episode. Yeah. No children. To be seen. And
0: so Archie's like, well, maybe, Frank, maybe you can, you know, you've been living in this uh, this boxing gym for indeterminate amount of time.
1: Maybe you should come live in my house.
0: Now, he's like, no, mom, your mom will hate me. She
1: does not like me. I think I have to leave Riverdale. <laughs> yeah, like,
0: no, nah, that's not true. Smash cut.
1: <laughs> to Molly Ringwald Andrews, hating Frank.
0: Oh, Yeah. Uh, there's a few things to get there. He didn't come to the funeral, which I'm gonna say like you had a very quick funeral. And
1: apparently, he was working on a crab boat and found out that his brother died a month ago. Yeah, which is maybe when he came to Riverdale.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> un, uh, it's uh, it's impossible to know. Uh, and, and so she warns, like, well, Archie, Archie...
1: gives him a job at Andrew's Construction, which is good, because Archie refuses to sell that. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's no way there's actually any work going on, so, so...
1: a grown man being in charge of it? That's great.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wonder if he ever fired that guy who was trying to buy it.
1: Who was just trying to keep the construction <laughs> he company going. was just trying to keep the construction company
0: going. Uh, <sighs> but she warns him that as soon as he has to do any hard work, he'll be gone.
1: And I'm like... He was working on a crab boat.
0: I mean, unless if he was lying. We have no indication that, like, hard work is his problem. We do learn later that he also was... A full-on soldier in Desert Storm. Yeah,
1: he took two different tours overseas. So it's
0: frankly insane for Molly to call him lazy. <laughs> like, there's a few names she probably could, she things she could have ascribed to him. Degenerate. Yeah, yeah, of the things we learned about him, there's a few things she could have said that I would be like, yeah, yeah. But being like, as soon as he has to do any hard work, he'll leave. There's nothing that indicates that, that is the case.
1: What she means is as soon as he has to deal with hard emotions. But we'll get there. The hardest uh, work of the of it all, the soul work.
0: <laughs> well, Betty and Jughead um, have a little bit of their own soul work as they talk about Yale, and Betty seems fine with it.
1: Yeah, she seems actually fine. Like, sometimes you can tell when Betty's lying. Yeah. And Betty is sad about not getting into Yale, but she definitely wants Jughead to go yeah. for it.
0: I do feel like if they're going to put some tension in the Betty and Jughead relationship, she's definitely going to bring it back later.
1: Which is okay. Like... Sometimes you think you're okay with something and then, you know, you sit with it and it weighs on you and you realize, hmm, I'm not so okay. So if they go that route, as long as it's done in that way, which it won't be, she'll be unreasonably harpy and, like, smashing, (laughs) I don't know, laptops.
0: sure, Sure it won't be great. Uh, and she'll be like, "You should have known."
1: Be more psychic.
0: <laughs> why can't you look into? Why can't you go into the past and change things like <laughs> I can? Time traveler Betty Cooper. it
1: will be like, "What? What? <laughs> when did that happen?"
0: I can use my mind to travel into the past, changing things, butterfly effect. You seen that movie? You know, the one with Ashton Kutcher in it. It was pretty good. It's, it's a movie. that's some weird sequels. Then he strangles himself as a fetus at the end of it. Weird ending.
1: That is the director's cut ending.
0: Oh, is it not the official ending? No,
1: in the official ending, he just walks past Amy Smart on the street and they like look at each other. Oh,
0: I thought it was, that was the other way around. I thought the, nope. I thought the ending... <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> anyway, we... Move on from this pretty quickly, where Betty reveals that she hates her story. It's a puff piece. There's no grit to it. She's a serious reporter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But Jughead's like, well, you know, (laughs) there is a captain to the other team. Have you thought about maybe talking to the other team?
1: And Betty's like, there's a captain at Stonewall? I thought Moose left.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. It's Brett. He's the captain. He will be wearing his... uh... His letterman jacket are out, even though he has never won- worn it before. And he
1: will probably never wear it again. Yeah, he's
0: been he's been incredibly preppy up until this moment. But at this moment, he's full jock.
1: For one episode. One episode. So uh, we don't see the interview right away. We have a brief interlude where Cheryl brings a muffin basket to the coach, being like, let's work together to make the team good.
0: And, and Apple Yard sees this immediately like, That's, you're, there's no way you would do that.
1: Also... I'm an adult. Yeah. <laughs> and she tells Cheryl that Cheryl.
0: I'm, look, I'm an adult. You have to understand. I'm a full-grown adult.
1: I know I'm very wee,
0: but. <laughs> I'm a full. And when you first met me, I think I was wearing like a bandeau like <laughs> with underneath a letterman's jacket or something.
1: Cheryl, I'm sporty. <laughs> uh,
0: and then, then she's her, like her, I guess, final diss. Her, her
1: mean thing.
0: Yeah. She's like, maybe you should spend less time making muffins, which I, I hundred percent know that Nana Rose made those. Oh, muffins. absolutely. Um, less time making muffins and more, and maybe more time hitting the weights.
1: And Cheryl goes, oh, my body is perfect, And but I am pretty <laughs> sure what's implied there is Cheryl should be stronger, for she will be an athlete.
0: Yeah, and she'll be lifting people cheer cheerleaders are very, very strong, because they're doing a lot of throwing and lifting and carrying. And
1: flipping themselves around. flipping
0: themselves around. It's interesting to note, they didn't make her say that she needed to, like, lose weight. No, she
1: didn't have to go do hit the treadmill, hit the elliptical. Which is
0: weird for me, if they want her to be... A villain? Like, like if they want her to be, like, um, that woman from uh, uh, Glee. Yeah, they if they wanted her to be like that, they, they should have literally just made her body shame her. But the thing is, like, and she kind of is. But asking someone who should be strong, be stronger, is like, not body shaming someone.
1: Athletes do need to work out. It, and there are reasons to work out beyond weight loss. It,
0: it, that's why it's so weird that she said hit the weights. Because she need. because, I mean, let's be clear. Cheryl has very dainty arms. Oh, so small. She can throw no one. Well, th- that's because they don't throw anyone. They All they do is dance. They just dance and sing. She has a
1: dancer's bod.
0: So, Cheryl does not want to get strong. She does not want to be swole. So, she stalks out.
1: Now, Betty interviews Brett. And by interviews Brett, I mean, asks him one question where she quotes Reggie.
0: (laughs) And then he, he, he... Gives this insane quote back about how football
1: is combat. It's social social Darwinism. <laughs> football players are gladiators, none of which is true. It's a sport with uh, an art. He,
0: he read that on some wild, like, alt-right form where he's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I am the top of the food chain, me.
1: Me, Brett, a white man.
0: <laughs> I have it very hard.
1: People should feel bad for me. I gotta take out my emotions on the field. So
0: I have to. I have to be mean in football. It's part of my masculinity.
1: I gotta take down that Monroe. He's coming for me.
0: <laughs> ooh, ooh,
1: Brett. Um,
0: but yeah, so he gives an insane reply and then goes. Anyway, I should go. <laughs> Thanks for the interview. Uh, and Betty is also very weirdly like, "Yes, you gave me." The reply of a serial killer,
1: and like really, she doesn't even need any evidence. All she needs is. To... And he says, "You can quote me on that. He's on the record. He gave,
0: he gave her. She should have been recording that. She doesn't do anything else. Just like listen to this man say these words at me unprompted, and
1: then tell me I
0: don't have a story. She could have just posted that on Twitter. It's been like, okay, guys, here is a human being saying these words." At me, <laughs> please
1: listen to what I said beforehand.
0: Uh, but you don't want to do it on Twitter. There's so many people who agree with him. Oh, it's true. So uh, Veronica takes some time to pitch her rum to, I guess, restaurants. I thought they were wholesalers, but the restaurants. I thought
1: they were investors, but it turns out they're restaurants. And
0: nobody asks. Nobody points at her and says,
1: "Yo, you 18." <laughs> 21. She needs to be 21. Well, no, but she it's is 18. She is oh, 18. Oh, that's what you mean. Yes. Yeah.
0: I was playing off the states thing. So no one being like, hey, you're clearly underage. Can you make rum? Can you sell rum? <laughs> you certainly can't drink rum. Is
1: this legal?
0: <laughs> but they don't ask it. They love it. They say, oh, it's spicy. It has cardamom in it. It's delicious.
1: And she says, yeah, I value tradition while adding a twist of the future.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's... There's not a lot of this scene other than to show that she is, in fact, selling rum, and she's doing it well. She
1: is finally good at something, although it's something that she should not <laughs> legally be allowed to do.
0: Yeah, what a crazy thing to give to her. Uh, so, <laughs> so <laughs> let's head back to Stonewall Prep, where Brett has continued to be just a whole, a whole full hangin' creep. <laughs>
1: Why I had such a visceral negative reaction to this? <laughs> there's,
0: it there's a box, and it not only is it bowed up, it's bowed up in the way where you don't have to untie the bow to take the top off. the The bow goes inside, so he can just lift the top off, and that bow still stays perfect, so you'll remember it forever. And inside is a MacBook Air, <laughs>
1: even though. <laughs> And I'm horrified by this. And then
0: Brett appears at the door just like, hey, Jughead, I thought it was time you needed an upgrade. (laughs) It's a gift from the Quill and Skull.
1: By the way. Also
0: me. Also a gift from me, but also the Quill and Skull, but mostly me. I let them sign their name on it.
1: But Jughead, I picked it out. I'm such a good roommate. Also come to a meeting at 10 p.m. tonight. Bye!
0: What a hard flip from the. Br- he he has returned to the Brett from before Jughead went to Stonewall when he was super into Jughead. Yeah. And then Jughead got there and he hated him.
1: Because Jughead gave him mild criticism. Mild
0: criticism. Now Jughead's part of, I guess, the cooling skull. I mean, the shoes definitely Brett's being in a jerk. And like the shoe's going to drop. Like he bugged that. He definitely bugged well, that.
1: That's what laptop. I thought. I was looking at it. I was like. You know there's secret. Like, don't put your secrets in that laptop, Jughead. Yeah, no,
0: no. Fully, he has some sort of, like, stroke replicator on that laptop. For sure, he has done something to it, and Jughead's not going to notice it. And I'm calling it right now, and it's going to be dumb.
1: Yeah, because it's a laptop that is not in a laptop box. It's, like, a pre up.
0: <laughs> it's a loose laptop.
1: <laughs> Never accept that.
0: All right, uh, we have to go back to a dumb storyline now, because Cheryl and the Vixens are
1: have decided well, Cheryl has decided that she's done with the cheerleading coach, and unless honey fires the coach and allows them to sing and dance their hearts out, <laughs> the cheerleaders are going on strike, which is a threat.
0: Because <laughs> they
1: need them for Spirit Week.
0: Yes. How would there would be a vixen size hole in Spirit Week for that one dance we do?
1: They don't even help the football player players. Like I mean, they don't even
0: doesn't feel like they actually cheer them all the football players. It sounds like they it feels like they do their dance and then they go somewhere and like oh man we really <laughs> we really did that dance. I mean the
1: football players aren't even there when they do their dance because we see the football <laughs> field there's no one on it.
0: No no it's they they just have essentially they have booked out a performance to do before the football game. So
1: you know what honey should really do here? Just start a cheerleading team. <laughs> Like, Cheryl can have her song and dance team.
0: He's like, okay, fine. You're no longer a cheerleading team. You're now a, I guess, just a dance crew.
1: So have fun doing that. Anyone who wants to be a cheerleader, an athlete, can be on the cheerleading team. Yeah,
0: there you go. You Don't worry. You can still have your three-minute dance before every...
1: Every game. Every
0: game, I guess. I love how we spent the first three episodes criticizing the fact that cheerleaders don't cheer, and they introduce a character whose entire thing is, the cheerleaders don't cheer, and she's the villain.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm wondering, though, are we supposed to be on Cheryl's side? I think we are, because they gave her
0: the victory moment. They gave her the moment where she beat Appleyard, and she gets to dance like she wanted to.
1: So dumb. Uh, Riverdale, I know you're listening. I'm not on her side.
0: No, there's no reason to be on her side. It
1: done failed.
0: (laughs) Okay, we get now here, uh, Betty, interviewing. You're sort of doing this, like, rotating interview of a bunch of people. We get a few, I guess, places. We get Seaside High. Mm -hmm. So I guess they're close to the ocean.
1: Well, they went to Seaside once, didn't they? The kids? Oh, I don't know. There's also, like, Central High.
0: There's Centerville. Right. Centerville, which, which is in the, is in the center. center. And then a city that I just called Brown because there was no city name on that <laughs> jersey. He was just Brown. And also, they, they're they all injured right now. <laughs> like, I don't know when the when they last played.
1: Oh, they took them out on the run up to the playoffs. Okay. It was like the last game before playoffs. Ha ha. <laughs> they weren't even playing
0: anymore. These are the last three teams that they just happened to play beforehand. And they went to get them just in case they came back.
1: So uh, these are players that were hurt, and they explain, A, that um, Stonewall pays off the refs. Yeah. Refs, but also, the coaches pay the players to do the worst injuries.
0: Yeah, ba- they say they put bounties on them. And saying those words and not introducing us to the coach is insane. Real that, that coach is That coach is actually the villain of being like, I will give you. A hundred and fifty dollars to break that man's legs is a man that we have to meet on Riverdale. And let's
1: keep in mind, though Monroe is a man, these boys are boys. These are
0: boys, these are just boys. This is
1: a man who is paying breath to break boys' bones. <laughs> He's paying a boy to fight other boys. We- <laughs> Wait, what has that happened on the show before? Oh my
0: god, is the governor?
1: Oh my again? god, is Hiram the coach of the Stonewall team? <laughs>
0: I mean, he always does just pop up doing a job somewhere. I would love if it just revealed that Hiram Lodge was the coach. Yeah, football was always my passion. That and wrestling and rum and other things I've mentioned once. And then went away. Also, I'm the mayor of the town.
1: And then he explains to Veronica, he's like, I told you I'd get a real job. I told you I'd go straight. (laughs) You're
0: the mayor.
1: No, I'm coaching football at that school. (laughs) Paying boys to beat up boys.
0: Mayor unrelated. <laughs> to that job <laughs> uh, speaking of boys I guess our and- <laughs>
1: heroes work out at the community center
0: yep uh, Monroe heads home I guess uh, and he gets about I would say 20 steps yeah <laughs> he does not go far until oh there's sounds there's people kicking bottles
1: it's- who could it be Horrifying Stonewall preppies wearing their horrifying bunny masks that we saw during that Thanksgiving episode. Yeah, and
0: <laughs> I don't know where they came from. I don't know how he missed them. Literally that um that box gym opens up into a wide open parking lot. Getting jumped out there is wild. Um but Monroe seeing the four people with like golf clubs and stuff, and the fact that he is twenty feet from all these buff boys.
1: Does not think, huh, I should return to the community center. He thinks, oh no, I must fight.
0: (laughs) Ah, now I must fight these four boys. It doesn't go well. He does at least shout so that Archie and Reggie and...
1: Some other guy.
0: Some other guy come running out. But at that point, oh, the Stonewall guys are already gone. They
1: already beat his knee with a golf club because they're preps.
0: Because they're preps. That's what they do. They they real Tanya Harding him.
1: This is sad. This is sad.
0: (laughs) Uh, Jughead, uh, now it's time. Now it's the evening at 10, so Jughead goes to his creepy... Quill and skull meeting.
1: And Brett is late because he was busy beating up Monroe. <laughs> he had a
0: prior obligation beating up Monroe. I do want to do, and I will say that I like very much so. They did not clarify it, but I 100% believe that he did. He was one of the people there because I hope it's an amazing amount of restraint from the show. I know. Unless it was going to do some sort of twist and actually that was just a random hitting.
1: <laughs> I mean, but the bunny masks.
0: That's true. That's true. Uh, but. It's time for the Quill and Skull meeting. And by that, I mean the junior Quill and Skull meeting. There's no way the Quill and Skull are just the Power Rangers.
1: No, we know that there's adults. One of them is DuPont. This,
0: why does every sort of group in this show, whether they be serpents or cultists or anything, always have a junior version of themselves?
1: Because it's a teen drama and teens rule the world.
0: <sighs> yeah, so So it's the, it's the teen version of, um, of Secret Society.
1: And in a shocking turn of events, Jughead has to tell his secrets as a part of his final initiation. Because um, that's how secret societies work.
0: They have your secrets so they can blackmail you with it later. That would be what happened to Sam Whitworth, because I can't remember his character's <laughs> name. Uh,
1: uh, canning. <laughs> nope. Nope.
0: Sam were.
1: So uh, they tell Jughead, though, don't worry, we'll tell our secrets first. However, the only actors who are paid to speak in this episode are Donna and Brett, although Black Power Ranger, whose name we still don't know, does have one line. Yeah,
0: Well, he's also he – will he's around in other scenes, but he does not have to tell his secret here. So their secrets are, let's be clear – sad secrets. Like, their darkest secrets are not like, I killed someone. Yeah,
1: no one did anything bad. These are bad things that happened to them. Yeah,
0: these are victim secrets, which I feel like as secret society being like, oh, yeah, I guess we'll use
1: those. I guess I can't those, blackmail you with that. Like, I
0: guess we'll try to use that somehow. But, like, Donna's secret was that her, um when she was very young, her uncle made a pass with her, m- her mom didn't believe her, so she cuts herself.
1: Which explains... Actually, a very cruel thing that the Skull and Quill did when they made her pretend that she was having a relationship with Sam Witwer.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: that secret did come back to haunt her. Cool, thanks, but, Secret Society.
0: Yeah, but I mean, they weren't using her secret. Uh, whatever they,
1: they knew, it would get to her. I
0: guess. Yeah. So so she uh, so so method acting. This the the Cool and Skull do believe in method acting. Yeah. Now uh,
1: Brett is. Uh, <laughs>
0: Brett, Brett, Brett is gets, a character from Game of Thrones. Brett gets the preppy rich kid background, which, which I when when he told the story, I turned to Aaron and said, "This is from something else. In fact, from a bunch of other things. The one I did remember was Game of Thrones. Yeah,
1: it's ty- we- not Tywin. uh, uh, uh
0: Yeah. <laughs> God, their names <laughs> suck. Um, <laughs> Brett, when he was fourteen, it was so three
1: years ago." Four, maybe? Four,
0: um, His dad paid a hooker to have sex with him, and he cried during it.
1: But he didn't tell his dad, and maybe he didn't have sex with her, because if he told his dad, his dad would kill him.
0: Yes. Now,
1: maybe once again, true. please
0: tell me, audience, that has ha- that has that, that is a background I've heard in many other things, right? I'm not crazy here, right? It
1: is 100% from Game it of Thrones.
0: It is 100% Game of Thrones, yes. I know that one for sure. But
1: isn't it It's but, from, but that, like, but New that, Girl? But also,
0: but also that one... Um. He That one, I think, also, he didn't know she was a prostitute.
1: There's that, but there's Jamie. Actually, oh. it happens to Jamie.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, but once again. Huh?
1: But, uh... <laughs> then
0: now it's Jughead's turn.
1: Jughead's secret makes... <laughs> no sense, considering we have seen the show for the past four years. So
0: apparently, so he was homeless for a while, which we know.
1: But we know where he lived when he was homeless, which was he lived in the movie theater until his dad got it shut down, and then he lived in the school.
0: But I guess this is implying that there was a time before the movie theater where he lived under a bridge with some got with people around there. One of them's name was
1: Doc. And Doc watched out for him while he slept, yeah. but then one time some baddies came
0: and beat up Doc and Jughead, Jughead didn't do anything
1: because Jughead was 14. Mm,
0: I feel like there's things that happen in this show that Jughead could say that would be better dark i'm I have to imagine that Jughead made this up. either he made this up or he told a story he knew would sound like a dark secret, but he actually doesn't care that much about.
1: Like, when? When did he live in the shantytown show? Because we watched him. We know that he was living with his dad yeah. when Archie and had were friends. And Archie and had stopped being friends because Archie didn't go on the trip. Because Archie was too busy making out. With the teacher yep. when Jason Blossom was killed. Yep. And that happened at the beginning of summer.
0: This this has to be like a few, like he spent a, f- a few days, a few weeks there, he maybe. He spent
1: one night there. Yeah, one night there. Enough.
0: He could have told the story about how his, like if he wanted to do a Darkest Secret, how his mom's a drug dealer and he like actively fought against her and he feels bad that he kind of ran her out of town.
1: He could talk about how he cut a tattoo off of a lawyer who wanted to sell drugs.
0: Yeah, there's so many stories he could have told from the show itself. It's while the show decided to add in a new one. And that's why I'm kind of thinking it's not true. And he just gave them. But there's a lot of implications in this episode that he's really into the quill and skull now.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's... I'm not sure. It's like how I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be on Cheryl's side or not. And once again, going back,
0: going back to the entire crux of this... All their darkest secrets are victim secrets, which, don't get me wrong, are still sad things people have to deal with that they bury deep down, but those aren't really blackmail secrets.
1: Jughead's thing is almost the worst, because he was a bystander.
0: Yes. And I guess they could use... I, I, maybe they're tra- maybe trying to use him more of a psychological, like, so we understand the person
1: Yeah, psychological torture.
0: Versus a absolute, like, blackmail.
1: Seems likely.
0: I, I really want to know what um, Sam Whitworth's blackmail is then.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that made him jump out that window.
0: Because that was enough for him to be like, this can't get out, I'll have to kill myself. And if his is also, like, victim secret, then...
1: Maybe he was actually having a relationship with Donna. Oh, maybe. The cheerleaders are scabs. (laughs) That's the scene.
0: That's the scene. The cheerleaders like, oh, he said, the principal said that if we don't go be cheerleaders, he won't let us go to prom. I'm like, of course he won't. He's the... He, He's the principal. I'm more shocked. He'd just be like, all right, fine. You're all off the team. I mean, I guess because it's so close to that game, they can't train totally new cheerleaders. Although but, these
1: guys don't know how to cheerlead. Oh, they don't
0: know how to cheerlead either. I mean, either way, she's starting from ground zero. Um,
1: so there's, I think th- he just doesn't <laughs> want the kids to think they can get away with nonsense.
0: I mean, I think it'd be Bertie Grave's like, all right, fine. None of you are on the team. Now there's another. Now there's other people.
1: I mean, they're not going to be good, but next year, whew, winning championship.
0: <laughs> yeah, screw all you guys who may be graduating at the end of this year, anyways.
1: Anyway, Cheryl shrieks at them that she's never let them down, but they've betrayed her, and Cheryl literally lets them down weekly. So thanks, <laughs> Cheryl.
0: Uh, Brett is hanging around with other football guys wearing his football jacket for the first time ever.
1: But that's how we know they're football guys, and that's how Archie knows hey, Stop hurting people.
0: Yeah, Archie walks into that school to find some... He, he's not... He's never met these people before. He just walks around until he finds people wearing Letterman jackets.
1: And then he essentially
0: tells them can, not to hurt people anymore. Can we point out that, this, that the funniest thing is that... So the Riverdale Letterman jackets are, like, blue and yellow and vibrant. And the Stonewall Prep ones are literally, like... If I, if I told you, draw an evil version of a, of a Letterman jacket, you'd be like, I guess, gray and brown and black... Like,
1: <laughs> I think it might be maroon, and I also think our dad might have a broom ball Letterman's jacket in those colors. Yeah,
0: but his, but his is more bright. Like it's actually more bright color. This it looks like a Sith version of a Letterman's jacket.
1: <laughs> well, Jughead wanders in on this mild confrontation, and then Brett pops off with
0: Forsyth. Do you know these welfare cases? <laughs> which really makes Archie mad cuz it was one thing we know that Archie hates it's being called poor that is something we know about his background that is something that's been established to us except it's not been that's jughead's that's jughead's that's jughead's mayhem button no
1: one has ever called Archie poor
0: and i don't think Archie cares
1: maybe Archie feels bad for his children that he teaches who are poor and he's like i would never want them to be called welfare cases so i guess i gotta teach a man some respect
0: guess it's weird this is jug that is proven to be jughead's thing it's proven to be jughead's berserk button but they gave it to archie for this scene. maybe
1: archie is smart enough to know that that is jughead's berserk button (laughs)
0: he's like i gotta defend my friend he had had a sympathetic berserk button (laughs) (laughs) he's like oh that makes him so angry
1: I'm gonna beat you for making my friend mad. Can you
0: imagine the sympathetic Hulk who's like who someone <laughs> does like, oh don't make him angry. You wouldn't like me when he's angry.
1: <laughs> it kinda is Archie. And
0: then only Archie gets arrested, I guess.
1: <laughs> or everyone else already got picked up?
0: Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, Maybe.
1: Archie is in jail for I guess he went to the school to pick a fight. I don't care. His uncle Frank picks him up. Hey Aaron. Hey Kevin. What'd you learn this week? This week I deter- became determined to try to understand why Marissa died on the OC.
0: You mean why she wasn't in season four? No. Oh, all right. It
1: spiraled to why did she die?
0: Oh, why they decided why they decided to make that choice? Yes,
1: interesting. Because it it is pretty open that Misha Barton just kind of got overwhelmed by stardom. Yeah. She got onto the OC when she was 17, so she actually was a teenager, and she blew up. Like, she was the beautiful, tall blonde. Everyone was inviting her to everything. Yeah. And she just went, I-, I can't be stuck to this TV show. I need to go out there and, like... Yeah. Though there are some vague things. There were a lot of rumors that she was, like, a diva on set. And Josh Schwartz, who is the showrunner, yeah. has made a couple of comments where he's like, oh, no, Marissa's storyline was done. We did everything we could have possibly done with her. I do feel that. So... Her version of the story is she was ready to move on, but I think the combo of the two, there was just no reason.
0: Usually, it does tend to be a whole lot of different things, yeah. So I don't, I'm, I, I, I don't want to put, put green into the diva thing because that's always hard to tell because you're not there. Well, and also
1: she was 17, so she may have just been like <laughs> not coping. Yeah, I
0: mean, I mean, at that, at that point, she would have been like. T- just turning 20. Yeah,
1: maybe no one taught her how to <laughs> be an actor on a TV set.
0: It's Yeah, it's hard to tell. I, we really make comments on that one.
1: Um, But Josh Schwartz does admit, he was like, you know, I became a showrunner when I was 26, which is really, really young. I didn't yeah. know how to run a TV show. And I was constantly afraid that we were going to get canceled. So I wanted to do everything I could possibly think of so I could get all of my stories.
0: That makes sense. Why so much stuff happens in his seasons? Yeah. Why his seasons have multiple arcs? Like he each season though could be its own season.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And he was young and he was learning. Yeah. Um. The reason it seems that Marissa died is because Misha Barton fought for it.
0: Oh, she She wanted no chance of coming back.
1: Yeah, because she felt like Marissa didn't have a hope of having a happy future. All of Marissa's birds had to come to roost, and she was such a burnout and such a disaster that she didn't know how to make good choices, so they had to kill her. But
0: that's, that sort of goes back to what I said when we did the last episode, where I'm like, that wasn't seated in very well, because she was succeeding.
1: So that's what she thinks the character was. I don't think Josh Schwartz thought that. No,
0: because, like, the in- well, that's why it's, I think I, I said this last episode as well, that, like, if they wanted it, to, the idea to be like, she was a burnout and a failure, and this should be the like the final swan song of a tortured person, then she should have been failing more, or the death should have been more apparently
1: her a result fault. of her actions.
0: Yeah, versus this one, which is not a, re- which is which, which is she made a choice to become a better person, which resulted in her death.
1: <laughs> right. So, I mean, she was very young. Yeah, I don't think she understood her character.
0: I, she may have not understood her character.
1: And I. I, think- I you can tell that Josh yeah. Schwartz did really want to put her on that boat.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because, abs- I mean. It literally, you could have just not done that last scene, and we've been like, yes. She leaves. Ryan and her say their goodbyes. He imagines when he was driving away, but instead she's – like, she looks at the plane window, and he's standing in the terminal. It's something you can't see, but works very well in that moment.
1: And it still would have been impactful. We still would have felt the loss of Marissa, because she was a central character. Yeah,
0: and and it would you could have mirrored it with the scene where he was driving away in the car, and he looks back, and she's standing at the – which they did kind of yep. anyways, where she's standing at the edge of her driveway, so for now it's her leaving – And watching him...
1: And you still could have played Hallelujah. Still
0: could have played Hallelujah. The car wouldn't have blown up, to be fair. But, I mean, oh my god, in the background, just like... like, There's like a walk box, (laughs) like the fire flares up. (laughs) Is very clearly that there's one scene that they could have switched out and it would have fit just fine.
1: And like Jimmy Cooper sailed off on a boat and never yeah. came back. Why can't Marissa? You could
0: you could even have had Voychuk do all those things. and he arrives at the airport and he tries to do the airport run. And Ryan's like, "No, man, you this, gotta let her go." You, like this is like like talk him down that way. That would have been <laughs> that was would have been a strong ending.
1: Yeah, and then Voychuk could have ran away to Mexico or something. Yeah, with Heather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I mean, we'll never know the truth. Yeah. Everyone has their own spin on the story, yeah. but... I also do want to clarify.
0: Um, I know that like, we have this show where we essentially poke fun at uh, <laughs> the TV shows and things like that. There is a lot that goes on in TV shows, very small... Or in movies, all those small things from... From, like, what happens on the day of the set um, with the actors, what the producers want, all those things that we – that people don't have any control over. So, yeah, it is easy to sit back and kind of, like
1: – Which is sometimes when we're talking about Riverdale, we try really hard to, like, understand why they're doing the things they yeah. do.
0: Yeah, but we we want to make it clear. Like, I mean, I have a history in film and television. I understand it is difficult on film sets, and there's a lot of things that you can be like, oh, why didn't they do this thing? Oh, who knows? Maybe it could be something as simple as they did not think it through, but maybe
1: they um, couldn't because maybe
0: the producer wanted a certain wanted a certain way. Maybe
1: Misha Barton really wanted Marissa to die.
0: Yeah, and you're like, okay, sure. I guess we'll I guess we'll do that.
1: Doesn't it change so much for you knowing that Josh Schwartz was only 26 and that he was afraid that his show would get canceled? It, it actually,
0: the, it's interesting to no- to note that he what, like all the all the things that he did in that show, imagining it was from someone. Who, like,
1: <laughs> somewhat that's why the adults are such crazy characters, I yeah. think, because he wasn't. Re- I'm sorry, like, 20. I've yeah. been 26. When I was 26, I was not an adult like I am. Well, I mean, he's
0: writing 30 and 40 year olds, yeah, like he's writing people who are very much older than him, and it
1: can be hard to imagine up,
0: yeah, yeah, no, it's it's it, it actually does it actually is interesting to think of it that way. That's cool, that's a cool thing to know.
1: We learned something new this week, so uh, Jughead. Well, Archie, I guess, is getting picked up from jail because timelines are mysterious on the show. Jughead does his interview with the guy from Yale. Um, the guy points out that Jughead stories are very Lovecraft-influenced. And then Jughead, in a weird turn of events, says, I'm not used to people treating me like a real writer. <laughs> so I guess Stonewall has taught him nothing.
0: Yeah, it's like nothing for him. What I do want to point out is they keep on – they mentioned a few times that Jughead is influenced by Lovecraft. And there's a few things I want to, want to take out of that. Number one, like when we talk about just theming of shows, fe- theming of like things, um, his influence should be a true crime writer. He's the only thing we see him writing that we've seen like repeatedly is crime, true crime.
1: Yeah, but he writes so many mysteries that we don't get to see. I know he has a book contract writing I, a mystery. But
0: yeah, but he's writing, he's writing like the Hardy Boys. Yeah, essentially. but maybe his
1: Hardy Boys is a little Lovecraft inspired. What I'm
0: saying is that like I don't like I having his inspiration be Lovecraft is cool because I think cosmic horror is a very interesting genre but either the show should have been hardcore cosmic horror or or you know that or his influence should have been true crime because that's the only that's the thing for the last four years he's been writing a true crime story
1: I mean let's be real for the last four years he's been writing a diary
0: Yes, but masquerading as a true crime story and the mystery he's going to write for the um the the not hardy boys the Baxter brothers is going to be more crime is a small thing it doesn't matter but it is a thematic thing that I thought would have been I thought would have been different
1: while this is going on, Arch- Archie also talks to an adult. He talks to his uncle about how he did a fight, and his uncle's like, yeah, your dad also likes to fight to defend people's honor.
0: <laughs> Which is not surprising from what we know.
1: But Archie is surprised. Remember when he was
0: almost part of the cool dad squad that was going to protect those boys, uh, and then yeah. nothing ever happened with the cool dad squad? They pretty much had one scene where they're like, yeah, the four of us are going to... Do- what were they doing that for again?
1: Um, wasn't it when Archie and Jughead had ran away?
0: Oh. When Hiram
1: was out to get him. (laughs) And they were like, we're tired of teenagers fighting our battles. We hot dads are going to fight the battles for the kids. And then they never
0: did anything.
1: This is also the scene where we find out that Uncle Frank was in the army.
0: Yeah. Well, because Archie brings up boxing. Because he said, Mom, my dad taught me every sport. Every sport. Whether that be badminton, football, shuffleboard.
1: Every sport.
0: (laughs) Except for boxing.
1: And Uncle Frank's like, cool, I also did a boxing in the army.
0: Yeah, and they, and they bond over boxing. Oh.
1: The show has remembered that Betty and Veronica are best friends.
0: Before I figured out why this scene was happening, I did write down, why is Betty talking to Veronica about this? <laughs> Betty's talking to Veronica about her story about Brett, which is insanely confusing to me, until it reveals that Betty came here for one specific reason.
1: She would like Veronica to go undercover with a wire and sneak into a Stonewall prep party so that she can get Brett to confess that he did the (laughs) dirty deeds.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, you know what, fair enough. You're doing for a school newspaper, but sure, go all in for it.
1: (laughs) <laughs> Veronica will go undercover, but also she'll bring her rum.
0: <laughs> I have a good way of making him loosen his lips. She's going to bring her rum, which <laughs> I there's no way he cares about what kind of alcohol it is.
1: But you know what? She gets to think her rum is important.
0: Yeah. You know what? Good for her.
1: Back at the Andrews house, Archie is doing homework and Molly Ringwald Andrews comes in and she's like, hey, FP called me and told me you were arrested. I'm pretty mad that you called your uncle, didn't call me. So you're grounded. You can still do football, but no car privileges for a month.
0: <laughs> this, gra- this grounding will not affect you in any way, one way or another. Because
1: you can still walk places. Riverdale is small. Also,
0: I'm sure you'll be driving in the next couple. Of- I'm sure this grounding will never come up again.
1: When he has to go find Jughead, he can drive the car all he wants.
0: But we do learn that the reason that she dislikes Frank so much, that he's your classic ne'er-do-well. You know, like FP, that guy that she's now very good friends with.
1: But he did something even worse than FP. FP just stole construction materials from Luke Perry Andrews' (coughs) construction firm.
0: And was a gang member. Leader.
1: Frank got a DUI, and Luke Perry Andrews took the blame.
0: Archie says, that DUI on his record was from Frank, and I'm like, when was that introduced? I
1: think it came up when he was running for mayor. I think...
0: I I do have this flickering faint memory of hearing about that and that being a thing, but
1: it was some sort of Hiram smear campaign, yeah.
0: and then Frank uh, Frank skipped town after that. But it seems really weird to be like my new friend FP, you know the guy who stole from.
1: He has reformed himself, but you're... however, but
0: Frank has not. Ooh, he
1: can't. He can't. <laughs> he can't do it.
0: He'll never do it. He'll never reform himself. Not like our current sheriff, former gang leader.
1: Current gang leader. Current Don't forget, he is still a serpent. Oh yeah. Is
0: there any law saying you
1: can't be a serpent and gang and the sheriff? I'm like, yes. No. Yes, you can't be an organized crime and the sheriff. But we know, we know the serpent is yeah. just a community service group.
0: So Veronica goes blonde. She's. she says She's in her. I'm visiting prison. Prison club gear and goes to not only is it a not only is it a party to celebrate the uh, game they're about to play it's also in some way related to the quill and skull and
1: it's also in that creepy basement and brett she
0: refers to it as a secret society party and i'm like well, it seems wait so how does she know about the secret society i mean
1: they're not a very good secret society they're not
0: i don't know why it took everyone so long to find out about them
1: just jughead being antisocial. I guess also
0: everyone it's kinda of like I feel like it's kind of supposed to be like the Freemasons where it's like everyone knows about them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, Brett is gross. I'm not going to delve into how he's gross. Just
0: Oh, he's he's a creep multiple times. He
1: makes me want to vomit in my mouth. Like if we're
0: talking about, about on a scale of this person supposed to be a villain, on a scale from Apple Yard to Brett, <laughs> he's a Brett. <laughs>
1: he's a Brett. <laughs> yeah. Now, he almost tells Veronica the truth. He's going to whisper it in her ear there's like no, a creep. And no,
0: What's he going to whisper in her ear? I hit him in the knee with a golf club.
1: <laughs> like, Mon- what, what was that going to be? Was- Monica, I have a creepy bunny mask.
0: <laughs> I wear a rabbit mask and I hit him in the knee with a golf club. Do you want to have sex with me?
1: He does not get to whisper this creepiness. <laughs> Because Jughead comes in and is like, oh, Veronica, I recognize you despite your blonde wig. (laughs) You're clearly Veronica.
0: (laughs) Jughead is dressed like a 1930s prohibitionist. Thank you for asking.
1: And Veronica spills the beans immediately that Jughead is in the Secret Society.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, that's why you're here. The fact that they did not tell Jughead, by the way, Veronica is going to be at your school, at a party, for your roommate.
1: Yeah, that's a misstep. Even if he
0: wasn't part of the Secret Society, he could just be in the area.
1: Also, they didn't know it was a Secret Society party when they went there.
0: It's true. He could have just been in the area with his roommate. Anyway, now Betty knows about the Coolant Skull.
1: She confronts Jughead. She's like, why the lies? And then, essentially, they're like, we really should not keep secrets from each other. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but Unfortunately, Bay did not get her evidence. Now all she has is hearsay from Broken Bone Boys.
1: <sighs>
0: but Frank um, is doing some boxing uh, when Ar- when Archie comes in and is like, hey, my mom told me about your DUI.
1: And Frank's like, yeah, I had some pretty severe PTSD from being in the army and I made some this- very serious mistakes. <laughs> this
0: was between my tours. This yeah. is- <laughs> he he was he went on one tour and he was about to go on another
1: and so he says, "I don't remember the night because I was, in fact, very drunk. And when I woke up, your dad had already taken the blame, and I felt so guilty that I left town I to wa- get myself right."
0: Yeah, um, and I wanted to—I wanted to be able to, I like, you know, say thanks him, do that, and I never got the chance. And I'm like, this scene is legitimately heartbreaking.
1: It's very good, and
0: also makes a lot of sense why Frank didn't. What they sometimes introduce characters and I'm like, why weren't you around? So much makes sense why Frank wasn't around. He didn't want to be around because he was working up the courage to say thank you or anything to his brother.
1: He was getting counseling, as he, we keep say, telling our characters to.
0: <laughs> well, he he also went back to war. For yeah, a but while. he does
1: also say he got counseling. He also got
0: counseling. Yep, yep. Um so yeah, so, you know, guess good for Frank. You're struggling with a lot of things and you'll find your way through it.
1: Speaking of people who come to see people, Hiram Lodge comes to see Veronica in the secret speakeasy. He informs her that
0: Gives her a cease and desist
1: because the key components of her rum are the same key components of his rum.
0: So, rum, rum. rum. Now, what I'm imagining here, what I'm imagining this actually is, is he comes forward because you can send out a cease and desist letter for absolutely anything. Aaron, I could send a cease and desist le- letter to you for using the my last name. Yeah, it would be ridiculous and would never hold up in court. But we've already been proven that, <laughs> that uh, Hiram can literally just put paperwork in front of Veronica and she'll just believe whatever it is.
1: And to be fair, she is 18.
0: Yeah. So he says, here's a cease and desist. You stop making the rum or I'll sue you. There's no way she knows that There's that, that would not hold up in court.
1: Because she definitely very much changed the recipe by adding all of her <laughs> spices.
0: Yeah. He, he is not patented rum.
1: So then he's like, why won't you let me help you? And she's like, it's just all the murder.
0: <laughs> I don't He's like, well, maybe it's because it's too late. And I'm like, what is ha- what is this conversation going on in this scene? I cannot understand your relationship in any way. Also, Aaron, you had a question.
1: Where does she live? Where does
0: she live? <laughs> I. Why are they having this little bond? We she walks out of that house every single day. <laughs> Also, why can't she sell rum in Le Bonheur?
1: Her liquor license got revoked.
0: Right, she can just store. She can just make it there. That definitely doesn't take a liquor license.
1: Different licenses.
0: That's true. And he can only block liquor the liquor license, not.
1: <laughs> I well, don't she know. does
0: serve rum. She serves it to the people. I guess. I guess because it's a brewery. Not serving. It's not serving.
1: And she's not operating the secret. We have never seen guests in the secret speakeasy since he shut it down. I guess that's fair. So. More men come to see teens. DuPont comes to Jughead's office, and he's like, hey, tell your girlfriend to kill her article. And Jughead's like, that's not how anything works. It's
0: like, no, no. And he's like, all right, anyway, me and the Yale guy will see you at the <laughs> party, or at the game.
1: And Jughead's like, huh. Jughead takes this
0: to be like, well, <laughs> I guess I'm not getting into Yale.
1: Because I
0: well, he, he, does, he does also say say in that thing where he's like, I know this might ruin my chances of getting into Yale, but no. And he goes, oh, no, it wouldn't ruin your chances of getting into Yale.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough on both sides.
0: Yeah. Uh, we got a few uh, rapid fire things here as the game begins.
1: Archie and Monroe, catch up about Monroe's injury. It's very bad. He definitely should not play football in it because he might injure it more.
0: Frank appears out of nowhere. is like, hey, Monroe, you want some drugs? <laughs>
1: He's going to give him painkillers. They make
0: it seem very, 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 very like easy but I, it's almost like he's just giving him Advil.
1: They're probably like T threes.
0: Yeah, don't, don't get me don't get me wrong. You shouldn't give someone who was not prescribed painkillers your painkillers. And
1: he could definitely injure himself more by pushing through an injury. This is a real thing.
0: And this should have been the crux of an episode of a storyline for Monroe of being like this is my chance of having a good life do I make the choice of pushing through this possibly harming myself or do I or do I sit out of it and play off these other chances what's going to happen what's what does this mean for me Monroe
1: meanwhile juxtaposed with this scene Betty gives honey her article and he doesn't like it because it's full of hearsay
0: <laughs> well and also it's explicitly slandering another school. <laughs>
1: Which is not great when you're playing against that school tomorrow.
0: Well, and it also, it's a wild thing to print in a school newspaper. Like, if Betty, you could send it to your mom, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she'll
0: look into it. The game
1: begins. Monroe shows up. He took the painkills. Archie's like, But your knee could get hurt more. Your future. <laughs>
0: He's like, I'm taking a risk for my future. Uh, Jughead goes to sit with uh, the people from. A Riverdale High, he's not thinking about he's thinking that Yale's probably not going to be a possibility anymore.
1: We forgot that Veronica was a vixen.
0: (laughs) I thought Veronica forgot she was a vixen. She's there in her cheerleader gear. There's no way she knows what's going on. She is completely disconnected from everything.
1: Reggie has a plan to help her punk her dad.
0: <laughs> Mimi me and like Mimi me in the uh, the parking lot at halftime. So clear, the I said, clearly the cheerleaders are not performing at halftime. True. Yeah, because she can leave.
1: Which is when there's. Well, I guess the band performs, but
0: yeah, but still they should be doing something. something. But I guess not.
1: Archie informs the football team that Monroe's knee is injured, so they need to protect him from being more injured. To protect
0: a baby boy, Monroe. He must be protected. <laughs>
1: Cheryl locks Appleyard up in her office because her office locks from the outside. Which
0: is a wild thing to have in that school.
1: And then the cheerleaders do a song and dance to Cherry Bomb. Oh, we
0: cannot go over the fact that Cheryl gives her heroic speech to them, Aaron. That heroic speech where she explains, I have never abandoned you. Not when I had that gang, or when I didn't go to school for months, or when I let you all be kidnapped by the CDC.
1: I blacked out and <laughs> forgot that this speech happened. Oh,
0: this is how you know that we were supposed to be on her side. Because she explains to them how she is a true friend. She definitely doesn't see them as possessions.
1: And you know, the coach doesn't care if she's their friend or not because she's a- she's a coach coach. she's a teenager but she's a coach
0: yes yes she is she is a teenager but also a coach Um, so yes as Aaron said then they do their song and dance number to Cherry Bomb I would like to point out this would be terrible to watch it would be it would be them singing no amplification (laughs) echoey in a field as a boombox plays Cherry Bomb and everyone's in the audience being like yeah yeah this is Certainly, what cheerleading is.
1: Cheryl doesn't even have a microphone. He doesn't even
0: feel like like. There's, there's no way that would hype anyone up. They just be like, "Yeah, They're, this is weirdly sexual."
1: They are not even cheering on the football team. The song does not inspire the football team. The <laughs> song is about how they are great. Come on, girls. Come on. Girls.
0: Yeah, yeah, they, 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 yeah, yeah. Come on, girls. Screw that other girl who has worked very hard being a cheerleader and has a lot of experience and history and has succeeded. And we just want to. Dance. She, and can turn call- us
1: in, she can turn us into athletes. Athletes that we can compete on our <laughs> own sphere. Like, there's nothing wrong
0: if they just want to sing and dance, but they shouldn't. They shouldn't be taking up the space of a cheerleading squad when they're. Cl- it would be like if the football team was just a bunch of like chess nerds who no, just
1: played chess on the field instead of playing football. Yeah, they're
0: like, well, no, you have to play football. And they're like, no, king to rook four. Why are you moving your king? <laughs> I'm a wild man.
1: (laughs) No, this is intercut with scenes of football happening. Yeah. And it's been a long time since I watched a football TV show, but I was very anxious throughout the entire time.
0: (laughs) It's a lot of hits. There's a lot of sacks. There's a lot of flipping around. uh...
1: Monroe gets a touchdown. Yeah. And then it's the last play of the year. They're going to do a two-point conversion. It doesn't work, and they lose. But Monroe's knee does not get hurt when he is tackled by, like, 17 members of (laughs) Stonewall Prep.
0: Yes, Monroe... Is fine. And so then we head back to the locker room, I guess, to
1: have Archie confront his uncle.
0: Yeah. And Frank says something that I don't think they mean it in the way he says it in the show. I think he's just implying that, like, you know, he's a senior. Like, you know how Archie's an adult, but he does call Monroe. He's a full grown man.
1: He can make his own choices. (laughs) And all I
0: can imagine is to be like, he's a full grown man. In high school. Like, he's a full-grown man. He he has a mortgage, <laughs> Archie. <laughs> he can make his own decisions. You are barely 18. He is 21.
1: Some Monroe? Maybe?
0: I can't remember.
1: Archie is brought on board by this. Monroe comes in. He met with the Notre Dame guy, and they're going to give him an offer letter next week. Yeah. And I swear to God, if this show takes this away from him...
0: The only reason I see they take it away from him is to... Further, Frank being a near do well because Monroe's never been that big enough of a character for
1: Monroe th- is a way bigger character than Frank, and I will be furious if they do this. He is a sweet grown man. <laughs> yeah,
0: I just mean like like storyline yeah. wise. Like if the if the, the because they did not hype up this storyline enough to take it away from him would be.
1: I just don't trust the show.
0: Oh, that's fair enough. And you
1: know what? I might quit if they do this.
0: <laughs> um. All right, well, Veronica, I guess, is just hanging out with Cheryl, and she has a snow cone for some reason.
1: Oh, yeah, and she's inspired by it. (laughs) Yeah, what? She licks a snow cone. (laughs) What?
0: I don't know what this scene is, but uh, how can I explain this? Cheryl gives Veronica a snow cone out of literally nowhere.
1: Veronica licks it it and goes, maple? Is this
0: maple? (laughs) I'm like... So Veronica's going to make maple rum.
1: Which I guess the maple will make it different <laughs> enough? Yeah,
0: the spices didn't.
1: But the maple. But the maple Ooh. will,
0: I guess. Uh, so so uh, Brett is now, continues to be a jerk.
1: And Jughead's like, hey, don't be a jerk.
0: <laughs> I like like in this scene, Brett's like, hey, Betty, should we have a storyline together where you hate me? You know how Jughead hated me? You should hate me.
1: And Betty's like, yeah, I'm going to write a really good article about you, Brett.
0: Fantastic. I'm in another storyline. I'm an antagonist of two characters.
1: (laughs) Meanwhile... Hiram walks up to his car because remember, yep. Reggie and Veronica were going to do something during halftime.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I was confused why that never was shown. It's because it was happened off screen.
1: They keyed his car and then they put rum in his <laughs> gas tank because Reggie only knows how to do pranks that involve cars.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he got the idea from Principal Honey. Oh, maybe. All right, let's wrap up with some of these um, characters, the storylines.
1: Uncle Frank is going to sleep at an, on a pullout in the Andrews' house. Maybe Molly Ringwald Andrews had a change of heart? Archie definitely did, because he realizes that all of life is taking a risk.
0: And I realize that Frank is super buff. So buff. He gets, I swear, every single scene he gets buffer and buffer
1: over at Pop Tate's, Veronica's just blatantly serving alcohol in the middle of the day to Cheryl.
0: Yeah, she pitches
1: she she gives
0: Cheryl the rum and she's like, Mm, that's very good. That is that is definitely rum you gave me.
1: And then Veronica's like, hey let's have a classic Cheryl and Veronica team up.
0: Yeah, they're going to uh, she, she literally, I think she literally just took her rum and poured some maple syrup in it. Uh,
1: <laughs> I think so, because she has both of them in front she of her. She has both
0: of them in front of her and I guess that'll help I guess. I don't actually think it will because I think... Like, here's the thing. If I took, like, Pringles and then (laughs) I put, like, some homemade whipped cream on them and then sold that as a different product, you still be like, no, there's still Pringles in there.
1: Yeah, but she's just ignoring her dad because his cease and desist is flawed. Well, no, no. The
0: cease and desist is, is definitely flawed. Don't get me wrong. But in the internal logic of this, you can't just take another...
1: No, I guess maple syrup is an ingredient and spices are not yeah is what I'm taking like the maple syrup well okay to be fair when she actually makes it she's going to have to remove some of the components and replace them with maple syrup because they're both viscous liquids the, so that then will change the recipe yeah, the, well
0: really what I was thinking is that they could not they cannot say that it is uh, it's it's like they can use the blossom maple syrup but they can't be like like you know with maple blossom maple syrup because that would just be two combining two things that already exist
1: I think it's going to be a Blossoluna co-pro. <laughs>
0: um, So, uh, Betty, I guess, has written the...
1: <laughs> a cute article about their failure, and Honey loves it. But what Honey loves more is the fact that Betty did more research on Brett, and Brett also leads up <laughs> the Stonewall Prep quiz team. Sure, why
0: not? Why Why not? Why doesn't he just do everything?
1: <laughs> so, Betty is going to make a Riverdale High
0: quiz team. <laughs> this is a very OC (laughs) storyline.
1: That will beat Brett. And Honey loves that. Like, you're comparing
0: this storyline, and uh, even the storyline with, like, Cheryl and Veronica combining, like, their their two things to make a new thing, that is also very OC. We're comparing this storyline with the storyline of murder and like, it's, like, this episode has greatly de-escalated everybody's <laughs> situations.
1: But it makes it all, like, way more heart Oh,
0: no, it does. I care about all this stuff way more than I care about Betty's weird, dark Betty thing.
1: But Betty going up against Brett and making a quiz team, I that care is, about. I am, <laughs> yeah, like... It's so much more
0: in line of what the show should be doing. It, it this is so in line that that Jughead's whole like joining a secret society thing now feels better in retrospect. Too <laughs> bad we already like the secret society thing. Speaking of Jughead,
1: he arrives into the writing room and Dupont is there and the Power Rangers are there, but his dad is there.
0: And his dad just can't handle himself. He has to spill the beans. He
1: is so excited because it turns out that. Dupont has found out that Jughead has been accepted to Harvard. Yale. A school, Yale, <laughs> a school he has never applied to.
0: No, a school he's never applied to. And also like I do like the Jughead was like, "Guess I'm not going to Yale based off of nothing."
1: Question, isn't Veronica also going to Yale?
0: No, I think... Oh, no,
1: she's going to the New York University, Columbia. Yeah,
0: yeah, well, because she... I think Yale might have been one of the ones she was... Or Harvard, something she was trying to go to, but then she got kicked... She not not got kicked out, but like...
1: No, she got accepted to Harvard, but then her dad
0: was involved. Anyway, this is not important.
1: What is important is that FP's excited face is heartbreaking.
0: (laughs) He's so excited that his son is going to uh, go to Yale, his son, in an Ivy League school.
1: Brett is also going. Maybe they can be roommates again. Brett, why does everything you say make me want to throw up?
0: <laughs> why did this episode, they decide that Brett has some possibly sexual romantic feelings for
1: Jughead? For Jughead? He wants to room with him so bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, but hey, cut forward one year later. No. no wait, no, What? <laughs> What? Man, that'd be wild. Um, No, cut forward. One month later.
1: Four weeks later.
0: (laughs) Again. uh, Betty is, I guess, cleaning stuff out of Jughead's room.
1: Yeah, she's packing up his room with Stonewall Prep, despite the fact that last we saw, one month later, which was several weeks ago... She was being arrested? Um, Brett was saying, yes, that's who we saw kill Jughead Jones.
0: Yeah, 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 you're right. That that one is where Brett is saying (laughs) that he, that's, oh no, (laughs) it's, the time is fading. Um, yeah, Betty has... No, no, It's Jug is dead, and Betty has rock and blood in her hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a cut to her, like, essentially mirroring the... So maybe
1: after this is when Brett says, I saw her do the murder.
0: Yeah, man, by, by doing all these time things, we know at some point they get arrested. At some point, um, Brett, you know, points them out of a lineup.
1: At some point, she holds a rock in her hand. Which I
0: guess would be a, a few weeks before a month later.
1: Now... Brett walks into the room while she packs up the box, and he says, "Save your tears. No one's watching. Now you get what you want. Forsyth is not going to Yale, and you- it's only you and me who will be there." He
0: says, "He says the province, not the province, the state, or the. And I don't even think the state. I think he says like the region Yale is in."
1: No, he says.
0: He says. This, he says. Yeah. Where's Yale?
1: It's an Ivy League.
0: Okay. <laughs> Rhode Island?
1: Yes, it's brown.
0: Sure, it's brown. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess at some point, Betty's going, going to also go to Yale.
1: And then the episode's over. And I just don't care about this Jughead fakes his own death plot. Yeah. I am just mad that his dad was so happy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm very interested in seeing Betty start up that quiz team to beat Brett. <laughs>
1: That's going to be the best storyline. It's going to take one episode.
0: So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did
1: I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where logic made irrational threats to people of authority because why not? Drama. I did. And it's a moment where Cheryl makes an irrational threat to a person of authority, (laughs) specifically the scene where she tells Honey that the cheerleaders are going on strike. Because that's a threat with no legs, and I think we're supposed to be on her side.
0: It wasn't because of her heroic speech of I never turn my back on you makes me think that we're supposed to be like, yeah, Cheryl, you beat Apple Yard, a woman who just wants you to do exactly what cheerleading is.
1: Alternatively, my CW moment could have also been when Reggie and Veronica keyed Hiram's car. Because <laughs> why?
0: Yeah, that re- that revenge is very petty and isn't, <laughs> unnecessary.
1: Isn't the best revenge her maple syrup rum?
0: Yeah, like, I mean, she figure that out after she already keyed his car.
1: But, like, you know, that therapist did tell her. Stop bugging your dad. Be better than him. Oh, yeah,
0: no. It's whole, that therapy scene gets funnier and funnier every <laughs> single time. It's very clear that nobody got anything out of it. it. My favorite thing is that Veronica thinks she got something out of it.
1: <laughs> and Archie has realized he can go to college and also have a community center. Yeah,
0: he got something out of it, which is good. Um, <laughs> I don't know what game with Betty in that, but...
1: Alice is now not as mean to her. I guess so. Did you find a scenario moment?
0: I did. And mine is just before, just before Archie and Brett are about to get in full-on fisticuffs at the uh, Sunwall prep. Jughead's there.
1: (laughs) Just wanders by. That that doesn't
0: come up. At no point does Jughead be like, hey, Archie, why were you fighting Brett? Like, he, Jughead showing up in that scene, I guess, was so that...
1: Brett could could call them welfare welfare? cases.
0: However, once again, that that
1: is. And then Archie could empathy Hulk out. Sympathy Hulk.
0: Oh, is it empathy, Hulk? Is it what you feel? He, no one knows no, it's no sympathy. sympathy. It's sympathy, Hulk. It's like sympathetic pains. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh. I don't, I don't know why Jughead just sort of wanders into scenes in this one. At least one was plot relevant, It was when he wandered into Veronica being a spy.
1: But like, maybe it was to set that up.
0: That he's just wandering about. He
1: just wanders around. So oh well I, man,
0: if he wandered into that room wearing the, the same like suspenders <laughs> and like, oh Ju- Archie Andrews, what are you doing here in my uh, my alma mater? I think that's a place you went to before, so...
1: Yeah, Alma Mater is a place that you once went to. I mean,
0: once again, time is unhinged. Maybe that scene is it, in the future.
1: Maybe it's a future Jughead. <laughs> a different Jughead than the one we've seen so far.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I love our version of this show.
1: So, if that you have a Riverdale.
0: Of, if you have a version <laughs> of the show that you love, uh, she gives a rating, review, subscription. I don't know. I really wanted to do that ending.
1: You should also just tell us about it on the Social Meds, Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA, at Instagram, at Twitter, at gmail.com.
0: Yeah. And Riverdale's back. We do have an episode next week, so Yay. I guess we'll see what comes.
1: Also, this entire episode I called Pain Pills, Pain Kills. Will the Maple Rum be a success?
0: Will Appleyard ever be able to control the team?
1: Will Betty beat Brett in the Quiz Bowl finals?
0: Not if Brett and his golf club have anything to say about it. Mm. And she's all the more on the next episode of M.S.I.S. and Abs. A
1: team drama fan cast?